0: Open your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter one. I have um, this is, I think, my sixteenth year of preaching a Christmas sermon, and sometimes many Christmas sermons. And uh, you know, as a busy pastor, you're always tempted to go back and preach something you preached before, and that's that's not necessarily bad. If it's good enough to preach once, it's good enough to preach again, right? but what is what is always amazing to me is the the oh the the limitless depths of the truth that we find in the word of god it's fresh every time we go to it it's new every time we go to it and i was able to find some things for this year that some of it'll be familiar to us some of it'll be new but all of it is it's very timely for us right now so look with me in luke chapter 1 And let's go to um, verse 5, Luke 1, verse 5. We looked at this text last week, looking at Zacharias and his response to the announcement that his wife would have a baby. So let's look at this. There was in the days of Herod, Luke 1, 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth." to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. So here, he didn't believe, just questioned, how is this going to happen? And so the angel says, you're not going to be able to speak until your child is born. But in the meantime, here comes Mary. Mary finds out that she is with child of the Holy Ghost. And so she leaves and goes to be with her cousin Elizabeth. And they're there. And so now imagine this. Imagine Zacharias. He's having to communicate on a tablet. He can't talk. And so for months, he's talking to Mary. Tell me about this child. Tell me about the Christ child. Tell me about this baby that you're going to have, that my son will be the announcer, the forerunner of. Tell me about that. So now go over to Luke chapter 1, farther on in the chapter, and look at what it says in verse 57. Or verse 56, we'll see how long that Mary was there. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so. He shall be called John. I just love that that Elizabeth believed God. I love that, and she obeyed. Then look at verse 61. And they said unto her, There is none of that kindred that is called by his name, by this name. Isn't it interesting how many times it's our families that want to keep us from being obedient to the Lord? It's the people that love us, they think they're doing well for us, and yet they're trying to keep us from obeying God. That's interesting. But she kept on. And look at what it says in verse 62. And they made signs to his father. And again, like we said last week, he could hear, he just couldn't talk. And so they're making signs to him. I just think that's really funny. Um, And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed. And he spake and praised God. What we're going to look at this morning is we're going to look at the sermon that Zacharias preached. He has a message. And we're going to look at that message today. So let's start reading verse 66. Now make sure that you have a Bible in front of you. We're going to be all through the scriptures today. And if you don't have a Bible in front of you, you're going to be lost. We do have Bibles in the pew there for you provided. So look at this. This is Luke chapter 1. And look at verse 64 again, and his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God and fear came on all that dwelt round about them and all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea and all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts saying what manner of child shall this be and the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying... And this is where we get the first of our messages. There are three messages from Zacharias in these next few verses. The first one is the message to Israel. The message to Israel. And we can't miss this. This prophecy that Zacharias is giving is completely to the nation of Israel. And let's get that in this text. Look at what it says in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Isn't it amazing what we find when we look at who the message is addressed to? Who is the message addressed to? Israel. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He hath visited and redeemed His people. What's the message? The message is, the Redeemer has come. He's visited us. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. God with us. This is not only the announcement of John the Baptist, but it's the announcement of the one whom John the Baptist would announce. And it's about Jesus Christ. And God has visited the nation of Israel, His people. He's visited them. Then look at what it says. Verse 69. And it hath raised up an horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant, David. And we know from Matthew that the that Jesus Christ's lineage goes all the way back to David. And he is going to sit on the throne of David. But this horn of salvation, the idea of someone that has the horn of power or the horn of salvation, the horn is the idea of just power. It's power. And Jesus Christ would not only have power, but he would have the power to save. You know, I'm thankful for the doctors that we have in here. and They might save a life. And that's a blessing, isn't it? It's wonderful to see what they can do through medicine, through wisdom, through the, what God gives them. That's an amazing thing. But no human can save for eternity. That's the kind of power that Jesus Christ has. The power to save for eternity. But who is He going to save? Israel. God is not done with the nation of Israel. Jesus Christ still is the Jewish Messiah. That's the one that John would come to announce and to be the forerunner of. Look at the next verse. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, verse 70, which have been since the world began. So what is, what is since the world began, the first prophets? What were the first prophets talking about? Jesus Christ. The first prophets were talking about Jesus Christ. And what about Jesus Christ? That he is going to rule on the throne in Jerusalem. All the holy prophets. Look with me at Acts chapter 3. Let's see if that's consistent with the scriptures. Keep Luke. We're going to come back here. But look at Acts chapter 3. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 17 for the context. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance... Ye did it, as did also your rulers. They rejected Christ, crucified him. But those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of... What's it say? All his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Now look at what it says. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ... Which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of what? All his holy prophets since the world began. You see, Zacharias knew that Jesus Christ was coming. Zacharias knew that, that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to come and was going to rule because that's what they had been studying and that's what they had been taught. That's what they had been believing all of their lives. And now he is the one. He joins the ranks of all the great prophets of the Old Testament to say the Messiah is coming. Now look at what it says. Verse 71. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us to, to perform The mercy promised to our fathers. Now look at this. And to remember His holy covenant. And to remember His holy covenant. Here, here's the wonderful thing, folks. Everybody look up here at me for a minute. I know that everybody's tired. It's Christmas season. I won't be long, I promise. But this is so important. Lock in on this. Jesus Christ keeps His promises. If God says He's going to do something, He will remember that. Keep your place in Luke 1. Go to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. God had promised him. He had made a covenant with Abraham. Is that right? Go back to Luke chapter 1. What do we have here? God is remembering this covenant. God is remembering it. Look at what it says in verse 72. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath which He swore to our father Abraham, that He would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our life. That is such an amazing thing. God has promised his nation. God has promised the children of Israel that they would be delivered. And God has still promised that. That promise is true. So what is the message for us today? That the promise that God was going to redeem and deliver Israel is still true. God still wants to save His people. Well, then why, have, why hasn't Israel turned to Jesus Christ? Why haven't they done that? I want you to think about something. Look at what the Bible says in verse 75. Verse 76, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways to give knowledge of salvation unto His people by the remission of their sins. The, The only way that a person can have knowledge of salvation is to have their sins remitted, their sins taken away. That's the only way to have knowledge of salvation, is that right? That's what he came to give Israel. Well, why hasn't the nation of Israel been saved yet? Well, in a sense they have, they still exist. The Jewish people have been have they are still in existence, they're all over the world. Many great nations have grown up from the seed of Abraham, but what about their eternal salvation? What about their spiritual salvation? What happened? I want you to see the message that John was called to preach. The first thing that I want you to see is the message to Israel. But now look at the message to his son. Look at Zacharias' message to his son. Luke 1 again. Look at verse 76. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto the people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. He was going to go and tell the people. What was He going to tell them, though? We need to see it very clearly. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet isaiah saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord make his paths straight and the same john had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins and his meat was locusts and wild honey and he he was just a dude wasn't he Then went out to him, look at what this says. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Now look at what this says. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So what is Jesus Christ, through His forerunner John, through the, the, in the spirit of Elijah, what is He prophesying? There's ra- the wrath of God is coming on Israel. The wrath of God is coming on this earth. It's going to be judged. Repent, so you don't have to experience that wrath. Is that right? Look at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Remember when Jesus Christ came, He came back to His own country, and He's preaching there in Nazareth where He had grown up. Look at verse 16, Luke four sixteen. And He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto Him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when He had opened the book, He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. You see that? And he closed the book. Let's look at where he closed the book. All right? Let's look at where he closed the book. Go to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61. Look at verse 1. So this is the passage. Jesus Christ Himself going into the synagogue where He was raised, preaching about Himself. This is the verse that He reads. Look at what it says. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Look at what would have happened if he had continued. And the day of the vengeance of our God. This was not the day of the vengeance of our God. Jesus Christ did not come to bring the vengeance of our God. He came to bring salvation with healing in His wings. Is that right? That's what He came to do. Go back to Luke 1. Look at the message. Verse 77. To give knowledge of salvation unto His people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. That was his message. The the day spring, Jesus Christ from on high has come to visit us. And look at what it says. To give light to them that sit in darkness. Why were they in darkness? They hadn't heard anything from God in over 400 years. They hadn't heard anything. Look Look at the last thing they heard. Go back to Malachi. Last book in your Old Testament. Malachi. Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. Look at verse 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in His wings. That's the Messiah. That's Jesus Christ. He has come. That's the message that that Zacharias couldn't wait to get out of his mouth. He had to prophesy about the Messiah that was coming. The message to Israel. Messiah is here. The message to his son. This is what you're going to tell them. But the problem is Israel missed it. They missed it. Look at Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Jesus Christ at His triumphal entry. He's coming in, and remember what they cry? Hosanna, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. And they wanted a certain kind of Messiah, but they didn't want to come. They didn't want the righteous Jesus Christ to come. And look at what it says in verse 41, Luke 19, verse 41. And when He was come near, He beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this Thy day, the things which belong unto thy, what's it say? Peace. But now they are hid from thine eyes, for the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time. Of thy visitation. They missed him. He came. Go back to Luke. Go back to Luke 1. Look at the message. Zacharias prophesied it. Verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he hath what? Visited his people. And they missed the time of his visitation. Folks, the Bible says God will not always endure with man. The time is not always there when you have the opportunity to repent. And he went on. He just went on. Now he's not done with Israel. He's not done. But now what has he done? Go back to Luke again. The message to Israel. I want to focus a little bit more on the message to his son. Verse 76. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. You know, Christmas time, we spend a lot of time talking about our children, don't we? I mean, it is so much fun. I love it. You know, I got Lydia an orange. I'm going to put that in the toe of her stocking. And Jacob got a little piece of coal. And it's so fun, much fun shopping for those things. Coal is harder to find today than it used to be. But it is so much fun. Folk, isn't it Christmas time, isn't it fun focusing on the kids? And it's interesting that here in the announcement of the birth of Christ, Zacharias is focusing on his new son. And what's his son going to be? His son is going to be a prophet, a prophet of Jesus Christ. And he's going to be sent out in the spirit of Elijah. Elijah is called the forerunner of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist now is coming out as the forerunner of Jesus Christ in the spirit of Elijah announcing the king. So what's the message for our kids? What message can we give our children? How about you go and you be an announcer for the king? How many of you believe Jesus Christ is coming back? You believe he's coming back? We can do that same thing. Look at what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Do you remember who wrote the book of Luke? Luke, right? Well, Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Luke wrote the book of Luke. I know that's a really hard question for you, Noah. Try to keep up. All right? Now, who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. Luke, okay? Acts. (laughs) I should know better than this, these knuckleheads questions down here. Look at Acts chapter 1. Who said that? Jacob? I quit. I give up. Someone wants to take him home. Go ahead. Acts chapter (laughs) 1. Acts. All right, so now look at verse 5. Acts chapter 1 and verse 5. For John truly baptized with water. Wait a minute. Do we have a link here to the story that we've been looking at? How about this? For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So when does that happen? Pentecost, right? So what what does he want them to do when they have the Holy Spirit? Look at verse 6. Now remember, what what was Zacharias prophesying? That the king was come to redeem his people and establish his kingdom. That's what Jesus Christ had come to do. That's what John was announcing. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Is that right? Matthew chapter 3, that's what it says. Now, look at what this says. Verse 6, the disciples are still hoping for that. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? How many of you see a link with Zechariah's prophecy? Look at what Jesus Christ says to them. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And what are they going to, what are they going to be witnesses of? That Jesus Christ is coming back. Look at what it says in verse 10. Look at verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven... Now, wouldn't you... You're standing there. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He's been talking with you for 40 days. And now he says, I'm going to go away. And he doesn't just walk away. He goes up into heaven. That's what they're doing. And apparently it was for a long time, right? And then look at what it says, verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go Into heaven. He's coming back. We are witnesses. We, just as John went to announce the first coming of Jesus Christ in the spirit of Elias, we now go out in the spirit of the Holy Spirit of God to announce He's coming again. He didn't only come at Christmas, He's coming back again, and He wants to save you before He comes. Because when he comes, how does he come? How does he come? This son of righteousness with healing in his wings, how does he come? Let's go back to the Malachi. Last book of your Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4. The last message that we have before the announcement of John the Baptist. Look at what it says. Malachi chapter 4 verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. This is not the typical verse in a Christmas sermon, is it? Because the the world doesn't know why Jesus Christ came. They don't know why He came. He didn't come to do a Coke commercial. He came to bring salvation. Why? Because He's going to come to bring judgment. You see, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and He closed the book, that doesn't mean the book's ended. It means He has delayed the day of the vengeance of our God. Let's look at what that day looks like. Verse 2, verse two Malachi 4.2. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in His wings. Why? Why does He have healing in His wings? Because He's just destroyed the world. Two-thirds of the nation of Israel are killed. A third of the men, more than half the population of the world are killed. A third of the green grass... A third of the stars, a third of the sun, a third of the moon, a third of the seas. The, the rivers are turned to blood. The stars have been shaken as a, as a fig tree shakes her untimely figs. That's what's happened. And so now he's rising with healing in his wings. Look at what it says. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. I want you to think about something. Go back to... Let's read this last verse. Verse 3 again. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Go back to Luke 1. Verse 70, As He spake by the mouth of His holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform mercy, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant. You see, God remembers Malachi 4.3 just as much as He remembers Genesis chapter 17. He remembers it. He remembers it. And just as John was the forerunner of Christ's first coming, we are the forerunners of Christ's second coming. That's our job. We're to tell people that salvation is here. Let's look. We've looked at the message, Zechariah's message to Israel, his message to his son. Look at the message, Zechariah's message to the world. Look at what it says. Verse 79, Luke 1, verse 79. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto israel you know what i'm glad my son is here to hear this i wish he knew the book of acts wasn't written by acts but i'm glad that he's i'm glad that he's here i'm glad that lydia my daughter is here to hear this that the christmas story is not the story Of Frosty the snowman. It really happened. God entered time and space. He took on flesh and bones so he could be made whippable and beatable, so that he could be spat upon, so that he could be pierced, so that he could die, so that he could rise from the dead to save us. That's why he came. And we have a job. So just as just as Zacharias had a message to his son, we have a message to our children. This is real. (laughs) This is real. You know, um, I wasn't going to mention this. I hope I can get through it. My mom might not make it through the day. It's real. It's real. She served God her life for her life. She helped my dad plant churches. I'd see her every morning reading her Bible. I'm glad that she showed us. It's real. This is Christmas. It's such a wonderful time. We love the decorations. We love the flowers. We love all of this kind of thing. We love it. We love to go and see lights. And that's all fun. Isn't it wonderful? And there really is joy around it, but it's not real joy if people don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's real. This is so real. And what's his message to the world? His message to the world, first of all, look at what it says. To give light, verse 79, to them that sit in darkness. Alexander McLaren, he said that uh, he's a commentator, a preacher from the 1800s. He said that darkness is ignorance, impurity, and sorrow. When you see that in the Bible. Darkness is ignorance. People don't, they're, they're, they don't understand. So what's our job? To, to give them understanding. To give them understanding. There are so many people that don't really know who Jesus Christ is. You realize there are so many people who celebrate Christmas that don't even really believe that Jesus Christ was born the Messiah. So our job is to give them light. To teach them the truth. That's what we do. We go and we teach All nations. So ignorance. And then impurity. Darkness is impurity. And we get that. The dark arts. The dark sciences. We understand that darkness is impurity. What we might not understand is the darkness that's in our own hearts. That we as people, as human beings, the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And what does Christ want to do? He wants to give you a new heart. That's what He wants to do. He wants to to get rid of the darkness of your ignorance. He wants you to become wise in the wisdom of His Word. He wants to remove the darkness of sin and wickedness that just covers us. And He wants to give us a new heart. And then the darkness of sorrow. The darkness of sorrow. You know, the Bible says that we should sorrow not as those which have no hope. You know, I don't know how people... You know, some of you have lost brothers and sisters recently, aunts and uncles, moms and dads, little children. I don't know how people go through these things without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, without knowing His hope, without knowing what the future holds. That's darkness. But we're not in darkness. Jesus Christ said, I'm the light of the world. Amen? The the Bible talks about John. He says, he was not that light, but came to bear witness of that light. And who was that light? Jesus Christ. In him was light. And the light was the light of men. In him is no darkness at all, nor shadow of turning. That's the light that we have. We have light. We have hope. That's what Christmas is. That's the message of John to the world. Now look at what this says. To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. You realize that we all live in the shadow of death? All of us. Merry Christmas, you're going to die soon. (laughs) Yeah, for some people that's better than others, right? Look, all of us are going to die. What is life? It's but a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. But you know what we can know? We can know that our sins are forgiven. We can know that we have eternal life. We can know that we have an eternity with Jesus Christ. And we can know that we're going to rule and reign and be priests and kings with Him on this earth. And that's exactly what the Bible says. And we're going to walk over the ashes of the enemies of God. You might be here and say, I don't, I don't want to worship a God like that. He's the only one you can worship. Maybe we need to adjust our opinion of what God should be. That's the God that John came to announce. Then look at what it says. To give light to them that sit in darkness. Oh, uh, you see that? That sit in darkness. Do you see that? That sit in darkness. Why are they sitting in darkness? Because when it's pitch black, that's all you can do. You can't move. Now, understand that people are doing all kinds of religious things to get out of the darkness. Isn't that right? They'll they'll get baptized. They'll give money to the church. They'll try and be good. They'll feed the poor. They'll do all these things. And what are they doing? It's as if they are just sitting in the darkness because there's only one way to get out of the darkness, and that's for the true light to come. And that light comes through the knowledge of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? I want to read something to you that McLaren said. That's so good. Listen, he said this. Now darkness, all the world over, is the emblem of three things. Ignorance, impurity, sorrow. And all men who are rent away from Jesus Christ, or on whom His beams are not yet fallen, this text tells us, have that triple curse lying on them. That's true, right? Now listen to how he finishes this message. This is a little longer reading than I would normally do, but it, it, it's worth it. There is only one way of peace, and that is to follow His beams and to be directed by His preceding us. Then we shall realize the most indispensable of all the conditions of peace. Christ brings you and me the reconciliation which, put, which puts us at peace with God which is the foundation of all other tranquility. Peace with God is the only way to be truly peaceful. Now listen to what he says. Um, Let me skip this down. It says, The way of wisdom is a path of pleasantness and a way of peace. Only they who walk in Christ's footsteps have quiet hearts and are at amity with God in concord with themselves. Listen. Listen. "...friends of mankind, and at peace with circumstances. There is no strife within, no strained relations or hostile alienation to God, no gnawing unrest of unsatisfied desires, no pricks of accusing conscience. For the man who puts his hand into Christ's hand and says, Order thou my footsteps by thy word. Where thou goest, I will go, and what thou commandest, I will do, brother." Put thy hand out from the darkness, and clasp his, and the darkness shall be light about thee. And he will fulfill his own promise when he said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. As I was lying in bed last night, you know, the calls were coming in all night. And I was thinking, you know, I wish I'd gone up and seen my mom sooner. I wish I'd spent more time. I wish I'd had the kids there more. How many of you have been through those same things? And so I had that in my mind. And one of the things that I don't want to live a life of regret. Would you all agree with that? I don't want to live a life of regret. And so I got up this morning and I was reading McLaren. I have them on my iPad. Isn't technology wonderful? So I was reading McLaren and I read what I just read you. So last night I was lying in bed, I was thinking about some of those regrets. And so listen to the peace that God gives all of us to experience those things. Listen to what he says. He says, There is no strife within, no strained relations or hostile alienation to God, no gnawing unrest of unsatisfied desires, no pricks of accusing conscience. Why? Because Christ, Christ has cleansed all of that. So how do we keep from having that accusing conscience? When we get saved, everything that's been done in the past, God's washed it away, right? And then we learn to walk in His steps. And as we are obedient to His commands, then we have nothing to regret. If we live a life of faithfulness to His Word, honoring His Word, treating people the way the Bible tells us to treat them, forgiving the way we're supposed to forgive, right? What happens? The peace comes. The peace comes. Why? Because he is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Is that right? The government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, wait a minute. What happens when the government's on his shoulder? What happens? What happens in our lives when we recognize that he is the ruler? Look at Revelation chapter 3. Look at verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David... What is that? Just talking about Jesus Christ. He has the key of David. Keep your place here in Revelation. Go to Isaiah chapter 22. Isaiah 22, verse 22. Look at verse 20 for the context. Isaiah 22, verse 20. And it shall come to pass in that day... That I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. And I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle. And I will commit thy government into his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And look at what this says. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his... What? So he shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. Jesus Christ has that authority. The government is on His shoulder. He can open doors and shut, and shut, that no man can shut, and He can shut doors that no man can open. Is that right? Amen. So now look at our response to that, Revelation chapter 3. The proper response to this authority that Jesus Christ has. Verse 8, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and it's not denied my name. What is our message? Jesus Christ has come. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. Government shall be on His shoulder, but for us who bow down before Him and call Him Lord, He already has that authority in our lives. What did Jesus Christ say in Matthew 28? All power is given unto me there, uh, unto me, in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Go. Preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because he has that authority. He has that power. How many of you understand the world's sitting in darkness right now? We have the light. What was the message of Zacharias? The message he waited three months to preach. What was that message? It was a message to Israel. Your Redeemer is here. It was a message to His Son. Tell people about Jesus Christ. It's a message to the world. The world's sitting in darkness. The light has come. But the wrath is going to follow. Let's not miss the day of our visitation. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word.